Good evening and Merry Christmas. Today is the beginning of, well, not the beginning of December, but the beginning of a new series in December. Uh, And I know what you're thinking. You're like, well, let's see, it's December, so what I think about most in December is Revelation, right? So that's what we're going to talk about this month. Uh, And I I like to look at it as the second advent, because Christmas is about the advent, and Revelation is about the second coming. And I know that for a lot of people, we hear so much about Revelation uh, from from popular culture, from other people, from around the world, that the book itself seems scary. But I want to go through different passages each week and kind of show that it's not that scary, and that there is a purpose and a plan. And and so I want to focus on that. And the series is called Auld Lang Syne. Uh, Part of that is because that's something we sing at New Year's, even though hardly anybody knows what it means. What it means, the translation, one of the translations, the one that I'm using because I like it, is time passes by. one of the things to remember about Revelation is there will always be people to say, well, the second coming is right now. Like, this is the end times. We don't know. And the disciples thought it was. Uh, Paul thought it was. Like, everybody throughout, throughout time, because Revelation was designed for that purpose, so that we wouldn't know the exact date, so that we would be ready, so that we would treat each other as we want to be treated, so we would love God and love others, so we would live as Christians every day. Because if you knew an exact date, if it was possible to pinpoint exactly when this was going to happen, then humans, most of us would be like, okay, well, this is going to happen on the 31st of December. So on the 30th, I'm going to really get in gear and I'm going to really pray and really get everything going because that's how we live. And yet Jesus is like, hey, time passes by, but I don't. And so you live for me. You show the light every day. And that's the important thing. That's the thing to remember. And so this week we're going to talk about the intro and it's called Stranger Things. Uh, Made that up. Brand new. Never heard it before. Uh, Stranger Things because John is called to see these stranger things for him. And one of the things that people have the most trouble with in Revelation is there are so many weird uh, descriptions of things. Well, for the beginning, he's writing to churches and then he sees heaven, but past that, uh, he's trying to describe things he has no base of understanding for. It's like if you took someone from the past to see the present, uh, they would not know how to describe computers or airplanes or anything like that. And so regardless of when the time was, He was living at a time with no indoor plumbing, definitely no electricity. And so to see these things, he did his best and he described his best. But revelation means unveiling. That's the translation. It's the only book of prophecy in the New Testament. And Jesus unveiled his plan to John and through John to us, not to scare us, not to worry us, not to make us get a calendar and try to figure it out, but so that we would treat each other better. So we would know, hey, you know, the end is coming, but... My life is right now, living for Jesus right now. I'm going to do my best. Uh, And so for John, if you put yourself in his position right now, he had outlived the other disciples, all of the original ones. Jesus had gone on to heaven and he had done his work. He had done his best. And now here he is exiled on Patmos, an island, all alone, has no idea what his life is going to be, has no idea if he still has usefulness, has no idea if if there's still meaning to everything. Now, he loves Jesus, and he's worshiping, and he's writing, and he's doing everything he can, but just to go from having this group of believers starting churches and spreading the message and doing all of these amazing things to being in exile and alone, you can imagine what he's feeling. And then all of a sudden, Jesus talks to him, and that's where we're going to start. Revelation chapter 1. I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering and in God's kingdom and to the patient endurance to which Jesus calls us. I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. It was the Lord's day and I was worshiping in the spirit. Suddenly I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. 
It said, write in a book everything you see and send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna, uh, Pergamum, uh, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Just so you know, that's not Philadelphia now. That's the church of back then. Uh, but basically, John is alone. And he's, you know, praying and worshiping because you see... Even though his life has dramatically changed, and even though he's lost so much, he still has Jesus. And that's the important thing. That's the centerpiece of Revelation. It's the centerpiece of our lives. And so he sees that. Even though we have lost so much this year, and some more than others, some have lost jobs, some have lost family members, some have lost friends, some have lost school, some have lost all kinds of things. But we've all lost something because it's been a weird year. 2020, the year of the pandemic, like whatever you want to call it, it's been a weird year. Even though we've lost things, even though things look differently, we have Jesus. And we have his plan and we have his love. And John sees that and he hears that voice. And I would imagine that in his exile, he, un- he recognizes the voice. Even though it's loud like a trumpet. Even though it's out of the blue. Even though it's crazy. He probably recognizes it. If not literally, then in his heart, he knows it's him. And you can imagine how he feels. And his calling in the beginning of Revelation is actually different than what we usually picture with Revelation. I'm not going to get into that, but... It's the, he writes to seven churches, and those seven that I named. And the reason for writing to those seven churches, uh, again, and this is going to be a theme throughout, we don't know the exact reason he was told to write to just those seven churches. Now, seven is obviously an important number in creation. It's an important number in the Bible. It's a, a big number in prophecy. Uh, those seven churches were kind of in a circle which maybe is important. They represented the postal districts. Like that could be important. That could be the reason. But the most important thing, and if you read these, and I encourage you to, uh, if you read them, even though John is writing the words of Jesus to each individual church, uh, and some of them are like, hey, you're doing a wonderful job. Like you're loving people. And some of them are like, hey guys, you're kind of dead and you're not doing what you're supposed to do. And you're treating other people in judgment and in anger and in condemnation. And even though he wrote different things to each one, That's for all of them. Each letter mattered not just to that one church, even if it's a praise. It mattered not just to that one church, but to everybody. It's like, hey, Jesus is still here. He's still the head of the church, no matter what we think. No matter what we believe, he's the head of the church. And so it's the same for today. Like, there are churches that are are very successful right now. There are churches that, that are questioning things. There are churches that have lost. There are churches that have gained. Whatever. Jesus is the head of the church. And for Christians, the same thing, regardless of what church you go to. Jesus is the head, and that's what these letters tell us. And I encourage you, again, to read those. Because it's not just to the church of Philadelphia or the church of Laodicea. It's to all of us to see. And that's the important thing of Revelation. It's to all of us. Not to scare us, but to show us, hey, I'm here. And so we go on to the next part. Uh, When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool and as white as snow. And his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze, uh, refined in a furnace. And his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand. And a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. And his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. So here we are at verses 12 through 16 of the first chapter of Revelation. And so many people stop right there. Because it's like, wait, so Jesus has white hair. That's, I get that. But he has fire eyes and, and, and bronze or, or brass feet. And, and a sword's coming out of his mouth. Like, I don't understand this. And then we just move away. 
Revelation, and I'll probably say this several times, uh, Revelation is the book of the Bible I've read the most by far. I've taught Sunday school classes, and I've written papers, and I've done all of these things. Uh, I've studied, I've read commentaries, I've done everything I can to understand Revelation as much as I can. Now, I am by no means an expert. I can't stand here and say, well, this is exactly what this is. No uh, theologian, no pastor, no anybody can stand here and say, hey, this is exactly what this is. Uh, we can give our best guesses, and I've prayed and worked at it and talked to people and tried, and I have ideas and I have theories and I have things that I believe, but we don't know. The only thing we know is that Jesus is at the center of it. He has a plan. He's coming back, and we are going to go with him. That's it. When it happens, how it happens, what it looks like, it's fun to talk about. I love to talk about it, but that's not the important thing. The important thing is that we know it will happen. How it will happen is how he plans it. Again, if you look through, and we'll get into the symbols in the coming weeks. If you look through them, you will see things that fit each time period. You will see things that the disciples looked at and were like, oh, well, that's clearly Rome. Or that's clearly uh, Nero or, or, or Caligula or whatever. That's clearly what, what is going on now. And future generations were like, well, that's clearly what is happening right now. And that's actually what's happening. And we all think that. And that's not to say that we should be like, oh, well, everybody's stupid that thinks that. No, not at all. Because it's just saying, hey, this is always going to fit in one way or another. It doesn't matter when. It matters that. It matters that it will happen. It matters that Jesus showed us, hey, don't worry about the timeline. Worry about the fact. Don't worry about anything. But focus on the fact that there is a plan. That there is a victory, that you are victorious. And so we see, and I'm going to talk through some of these things. The first thing John sees when he turns around is seven lampstands in the temple. Uh, throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, and probably still now, uh, there's a golden lampstand that, that represents, the, the, represents the worshiping God. And there's a flame on it. And so seven is kind of, again, with this number seven, uh, the important thing. Again, it's representative of the temple and it's representative of Jesus. It's representative of the plan. But the important thing is that a lampstand displays light. It does not create light. Now you're thinking, well, uh, if I have a lamp now and I put the light bulb in, then it does create light. No, the light bulb is what the light comes from. The lampstand always displays it. And so you see these and it's representative of the churches and it's representative of us. Because no matter what we think, no matter how strong we feel in our faith, no matter how many people we talk to about Jesus, we do not create the light. We do not create the message. We do not create the worship. We do not create the light. We display it. We display the light like the lampstands. And so right away, Jesus is like, John, I know that you're questioning things, buddy. I know that you're feeling lost, and I know that even though you're worshiping, you're feeling like, what's coming next? Well, I'm telling you that you're displaying the light for me, and I'm going to give you a chance to shine brightly. Some of you right now, uh, you're still going to school, or you're still going to work. Uh, some of you are at home doing everything virtual. I get that it's weird, and I get that it's hard, and I get that it's scary. And I know that most of us are like, man, as soon as the first of 2021 hits, everything's going to be better, or everything's going to be worse, whichever side you're on. I don't know. But what matters is that we continue to be the lampstands. And now, if you're a, a teen watching, which I assume most of you are, but not everybody. If you're a teen watching, you're probably like, man, Revelation's heavy. I, I don't know if I can handle this. Again, the point is not the scariness of it, the, the uncertainty of it. The point is you, even now, whether you're in junior high, senior high, senior high, senior high plus, senior high plus, 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 whatever. 
You are a lampstand for Jesus. And we see that right away. And then he continues to describe Jesus. And man, it had to be hard. And now obviously he's not writing this as it's happening. He wrote it after or during or whatever. But as soon as he sees Jesus, I would imagine everything he felt floated away. And he's like, it's my Savior. Maybe it took him a second, but I believe that he felt in that moment exactly who it was. And he says it's someone like the Son of Man. He knew that it was Jesus. But he's describing things as best as he can. And the white hair represents wisdom. And it represents time passing. And it represents all of these things. But it's Jesus. And holding the seven stars in his hand. It represents the seven churches. And it represents the Spirit of God. And it represents the days of the week. And it represents the the stars of the sky. And his dominion over everything. But it represents Jesus. And it is Jesus. And then the crazy one that people have the most trouble with. Well, let's go to the bronze feet. So bronze or brass. At the time, that was the strongest metal when it was refined in the ancient world, which is all that John knew. And so Jesus did things according to what we knew and what we can understand. And he he shows us what we can handle. And so John saw him and he saw the strength. He saw the power. He saw the glory. He saw everything. And then the crazy part, uh, the two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. Jesus was not carrying, I feel fairly confident in saying Jesus was not carrying a sword in his mouth. But if you look way back to when Simeon uh, blessed him in the temple, uh, they talked about, hey, you know, his word, his life is going to be like a two-edged sword. It's going to help people, and some people are going to turn away from it. It's going to cut some people down, not because of his intent, not because of his love, but because they won't be able, they won't allow themselves to accept it. They won't allow themselves to listen. And so it's the same now. His word will always be powerful and true and great and right. But some people always turn away from it because some people do not want to to change. Some people do not want to get help. Some people do not want to feel his love. And and for those of us who do, for those of us who who try, for those of us who do our best for him, it's like, well, how is that possible? I don't know. Again, there are theories and I think I understand people and I think I know what some people are thinking and most people are thinking, we don't know. But what matters for us is that he is standing there before John. And he is saying, John, you thought it was over. Well, I'm going to show you what's coming. Again, not to scare you, but to say, hey, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Time will pass by. Auld Lang Syne. You'll see stranger things. Boom, tie back. But you'll see me. And you'll feel me. And so John does his best to describe it. He does his best to talk about it. He does his best to share it with us. But the most important thing is that Jesus is there. He's there at the beginning and he's there in the middle and he's there at the end and he's there throughout with his love, his power, his glory. And he's showing John all of that. And so we go to the last part of the scripture. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death in the grave. Write down what you have seen, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. This is the meaning of the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven gold lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So right there, Jesus helps him out. He helps us out because he knows that as people, including John, although in this moment, again, he the last time he saw Jesus in person like this was as Jesus was sailing, was flying off to heaven, was rising to heaven. 
And in the days before that, you know, he, he had worked with him and listened to him and, and felt him, his love and his power and even felt his hands and, and, and just watched him work again. But that was still just days after he'd seen him die. And he carries that and he carried each of, carried Peter's death and carried James' death and carried everyone's death with him. And yet he sees Jesus. Now, there are a lot of people, most of us at one point have said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask why this happened, or I'm going to ask what this means, or I'm going to ask this or that. John probably had those too. He's probably like, man, you know, I love Jesus and I knew him, obviously closer than any of us could know him, because he walked with him. He's like, I love him and I worship him and, and he's my savior and my, my Lord, but I'm going to ask him this. I'm going to ask him, why am I the last? I'm going to ask him, why is Rome allowed to do this? I'm going to ask him, why is there a pandemic? I'm going to ask him, why do, 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 good, do bad things happen to good people? I'm going to ask him, why do good things happen to bad people? I'm going to ask him, why are things not how I want them to be? When he saw him, again, all those questions went away because he felt that love. And when we see him, we will feel that love. And we may think, well, I'm going to ask this and I'm going to ask that. We'll see him and just like John, we'll fall down. Not in anguish, not in pain, not in fear, but in love, in admiration, in hope, in worship. We'll fall down because everything is perfect. One of the things that I'll talk about in a few weeks, uh, I'll talk a little bit about heaven next week. And then near the end, I'll talk about, you know, the end. One day, there will be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more disease, no more anger, no more politics, no more bad things. We'll be in heaven and we'll see him and we'll love him and we'll feel that. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He's showing John, hey, you're going to have a chance to show this light to other people. You're going to have a chance to work more, to do more, to live more. And again, John sees him for the first time since he was much younger. He sees him and maybe he thought, you know, as he's worshiping, as he's thinking before Jesus talks to him, maybe he's like, I'm not useful anymore. You know, I, I wrote letters and I, I wrote what God called me to write and I worked with the disciples and I healed and I took care of Jesus' mom and I, I, I was there with my friends. I, I watched as my, my brothers died. Maybe in exile, I'm just here and my life's done. Maybe I'm not useful anymore. I can tell you this, what I do more than anything else is question my usefulness. I question if people listen. I question if I make sense. I question if I have any worth. I do. Some of you do that. All of us question our usefulness, our purpose at one point or another. And yet Jesus said, John, you may not realize it, but you still have a great purpose. You still have a great usefulness and you always will. You will always have the ability to show who I am, to show my love, to show my word. And so through Revelation, the, one, the passages that I talk about, the passages that you read on your own, the passages that you read about, whatever, there are going to be so many things that it's like, I don't get this. Nobody has all of the answers. Except Jesus. Nobody has all of the, 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 they can't turn to the back of the book and be like, hey, you know, I understand everything now. But Jesus, he gave us this gift, this unveiling, 
Again, and I've said this a hundred times already tonight, not to scare us, not to freak us out, but to say, guys, I know that it's hard. John, I know that you feel alone. Other people, teens, adults, I know that you feel alone. I know that this isn't the world that you wanted. I know that this isn't the year that you wanted. I know that this may not even be the life that you wanted. But I'm with you. And I love you. And as time passes by, that will not change. One of the things that I like to talk about a lot is people find their identities in a lot of different things. Uh, Right now, some of you are like, well, I'm an athlete. Maybe not right now, but some of you are like, I'm an athlete. Some of you are like, well, I'm a marching band-er. Some of you are like, I'm a singer. Some of you are like, I'm a pastor. Some of you are like, I'm a teacher. I'm a mom. I'm a parent. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I'm a wife. Anything that we find our identity in will change. At some point, you won't be in school anymore. Yay. At some point, you won't play sports anymore. Eh. At some point, you, you won't be in the marching band. You won't be in choir, whatever. At some point, everything changes. Sometimes before we plan it, sometimes we understand that it's good, whatever. But finding our identity in Christ, finding our identity in His love, finding our identity as His lampstand, that never changes because He never changes. And so if your identity is in Him first, you can have all those other things. You can make good grades. You can play sports. You can play instruments. You can sing. You can work at wherever. You can do whatever. But if it's centered around Him, That won't change. And that gives us this brass, this bronze surface to plant our feet on. John, for everything that had happened in his life, he was centered on Jesus. He wasn't perfect. We we talk about him a lot, and you see more good about him than a lot of the disciples throughout. But he wasn't perfect. And yet he worshipped someone who is. And so as he writes these... As he writes these words, as he writes to the churches, as he writes prophecies, as he tries to explain what he's seeing, he is doing his best to shine that light from Jesus to us, to those churches, to churches in the future, to everyone. Revelation is an amazing book. And I will talk about it anytime somebody brings it up because I love it. And it's exciting to me and it's fun to talk about. And having all the different theories and all the different questions and all the different possibilities, it's amazing to me. But I believe and I know the most important thing throughout it is Jesus is there. And as exciting as it is, as scary as it can be for some people at some times, Jesus is there. And so John, exiled, alone, nervous, not knowing what's going to happen, First thing Jesus says is, hey, I'm here. And the first thing he sees is that love. He sees that fire of truth. He sees that passion. He sees that desire to help others. He sees that glory, that perfection. And he knows, I'm home. As we end up the year, as we end up this series, uh, you know, there's only a few weeks left. We hope that things won't get worse. We hope that there won't be worse things in the news, but who knows? Hopefully your schools will wrap up well and you'll have good grades. Hopefully your jobs will continue however you desire them to continue. Hopefully as we go into 2021, things will get better. It's wonderful to have hope. But above all of those things and above all of those desires and above all of those wants, have hope in Jesus. 
Because no matter what else happens, as we go through this series, I'm going to point this out over and over again, no matter what else happens, that hope will never fail because He will never fail. And so, you know, read along with me, study along with me, ask me questions, whatever. But just know, this is a promise from Jesus to us that we will be okay. We will be better than okay. All we have to do is shine that light every single day, doing our best, no matter what our age, no matter who we are, doing our best to show that love, to show that truth, to show that passion, to show Him to everyone we meet. That's all I got.